Good evening, everybody. Welcome into Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, and we welcome you to the Thursday edition of this January the 17th show. If you got questions for us, and I'm sure you do, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, Thursday edition, lots to talk about. Obviously, week six, top 25 is out. And for the first time in, I think, history, in D3Hoops.com's history, we have a technically a co-number one. We didn't have a real number one. Uh, we had to break the tie. Um, but a co-number one as Bowden and Thomas Moore tied with 612 total points on the women's top 25 poll. Uh, the tie was officially broken because we can't put two number ones in or two numbers of any kind into the uh, polling data or the uh, scoreboard data, I should say. So technically, Bowden is one. Thomas Moore is technically two. Um, Bowden had more first place votes, if you're wondering, if you hadn't noticed. Uh, Bowden with 13, Thomas Moore with 12. And an actual perfect split, which if you're doing the math at home, well, how does that result in a tie? It just means somebody must have voted him uh, Bowden third uh, to give that. You know, basically, every if you imagine everybody Bowden won, uh, they then voted Thomas Moore two, and everybody who voted Thomas Moore one voted Bowden two. Bowden would still have an edge by points. Uh, it just it works out that way since you have one more second place for Bowden than Thomas Moore has. But that means someone must have put Bowden third. Uh, essentially, that's that's how that crazy math works out. So um, pretty insane to see it, um, but Bowden gets it due to first place votes. Uh, and uh, here's the other thing we're going to see a lot of from Thomas Moore. Idle. <laughs> we're not going to see them play a lot of games. Uh, they are three on the schedule between now and, and the end of the season. They have five most likely by the time we're getting to Selection Sunday. Uh, as they will most likely play two games in the ACAA uh, tournament. And that's how it is. But on the women's side, somewhat of a quiet week so far. Oshkosh lost to Whitewater. Now the third, 12th ranked Oshkosh losing to Whitewater 49-47. Whitewater wasn't even receiving votes. Um, so that jumps out of you. Though Oshkosh has lacrosse coming up. We'll talk about that in a moment. Wheaton has August uh, lost to Augustana in women's basketball 13-14. That game was... 13-14. It was 56-51. 13-4 now is Wheaton. Uh, Augustana also not receiving votes. And Christopher Newport lost to Southern Virginia. Now, Southern Virginia is getting votes. Okay, they got a point. They may earn some more there. Ryan Scott was watching them. I didn't get a chance. Said Southern Virginia looked pretty good. That was a four-point win there for SVU. On the men's side, somewhat quiet. Uh, that will change most likely this weekend. But Williams took its first loss to Amherst. We'll come back to that game in a moment. Stevens Point lost to Lacrosse. Lacrosse having a heck of a season. They are undefeated on the men's side, and now we've got an Oshkosh Lacrosse battle in men's and women's basketball. Lacrosse wasn't even getting any votes. Most likely they will now on the men's side. But you got a big weekend of women's and men's basketball, Lacrosse and Oshkosh. Remember, Lacrosse on the women's side ranked twenty third. So that'll be fun to see. Um, also, go down Capital lost to Heidelberg. <laughs> we'll talk more about that coming up. Capital had a 12-game winning streak brought to a close there. Whitewater lost to Oshkosh. No surprise there, as Oshkosh was the fifth-ranked team in the country heading into that seven-point game. I think that maybe certainly did Whitewater some justice, though it is their fourth loss. Salisbury lost yet again, this time to York, 90-75. to 
By my count, Salisbury's lost two of their last three. I, I'll, they have, I don't know. I voted them for one week. I think voters will run and hide now. Wittenberg could be in some trouble here. They won against Ohio Wesley in 94, 90, or 98-94 in overtime. But I don't really think Wittenberg stays in the top 25. I mean, I removed him, and I had him as high as 11 when I pulled the pl- plug. In the receiving votes category, uh, Wheaton, Mount Union, and Occidental all lost. Occidental actually lost twice, one to number 19 Pomona Pitzer and the other to Redlands. I think the voters will run and hide now from August, from Occidental as they have uh, lost three of their last four, I believe, off the top of my head. Mount Union lost to number 13 Marietta, and Wheaton lost to number two Augustana. So you really can't fault those. And, and really the Wheaton-Augustana game was a dandy. 77-73 lived up to the, to the hype, to say the least. By the way, in the receiving votes category, Guilford women uh, lost to Lynchburg, which was an, an interesting outcome. Um, back to the Amherst Williams game on Wednesday it was full of full a Wednesday full of great games. Um, it was a uh, it was a game without Dave Hickson, the head coach of the uh, Mammoths. Mother had passed this week, and we send our condolences to them. Aaron Toomey was at the uh, helm as a result, and uh, big game against Williams at home. Afterward, Aaron Toomey spoke about the the victory and and the emotions of it all. We got this clip from Amherst Athletics. Um, I mean, it was it was a crazy night. It's been a crazy few days for us uh, with Coach not being here, and um, you know everything he's gone through. You know. Um, the guys, the guys, you know, it's an Amherst Williams game, and the guys had a lot to play for without that. But you know, when all that happened, it was uh, it was just a little more, a little more emotion for us, and a little more reason for us to come out and you know, give it, give it all we had. Feinberg hits that shot, go, puts him up eleven. You call timeout. What did you say to your guys there? You know, we were down eleven at Wesleyan with uh, about six or seven minutes left. Um, so that's exactly what I told him. I told him, hey, we've been here. We've come back. Um, we tied it at Wesleyan. Like we didn't get over the hump there, but this one, this is our, this is our time. And you know, the guys responded unbelievably, and you know, they deserve all the credit. You know, um, you know, I was, it was my first time out there, and I told them before the game it was a group effort, and um, it truly was. All every single guy in there. This did not play out the way a Williams Hammers game normally does. This was more of a rock fight than it was a basketball game. Wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? yeah, you know, that's kind of the way both teams have been all year is low, keeping teams low scoring. And, um, you know, it was no different tonight. And both teams battled on the defensive end and made it really tough. And it was a physical game. Both me and Coach App were, were on the refs a little bit, but um, that's just how it was. It was that way for both sides. And it was it was a dogfight, and our guys did, did great. Now you get to go back there. For the, for, yeah. for the league game. Yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, it always is. Amherst Williams, there's nothing like it um, at this level, certainly. And um, it's always a battle, and it's always it always seems to come down to the last possession. So, um, you know, that's just how it goes. So congratulations, uh, certainly, to um, to Amherst on that victory and, and Aaron Toomey. But Aaron Toomey doesn't get the win. It still goes to Dave Hickson. Um he said uh, league game. I, I, I want to double check. Yeah, it is going to be the league game. Uh, so that was the non-league version of that matchup uh, between the two. Of course, that's for the little three between them and Wesleyan. Aaron, it's Wesleyan. Amherst wants the H removed. Let's say the S in Wesleyan. And, and yeah, I hear it from my father. So I, I know it's an S. Um, I joke. I'm just having some fun with Aaron. But uh, congratulations once again. Uh, in that, and that's a big victory. And and someone asked me earlier today, was I surprised? No, I don't think I was surprised. It's a rivalry game, and and that's what takes 
a huge um, emphasis is is rivalry games can result in really wacky results, especially when you're at the rival. Obviously, you're always at the rival, but in this case, at the team that knocked you off, the the uh, um, maybe under the underdog, as it were. And Williams was bound to lose. They had one fifteen straight. I was under absolutely no impression that they would go the rest of the way uh, undefeated. Um, even after talking to Kevin App on Sunday show, I, I I didn't think if any Amherst would be the perfect one to spoil the party at Amherst. If they had gotten all the way to the game in return at Williams, well, then maybe I would have been a little bit more surprised because that would have meant they would have won this one. But no, I'm not overly surprised. I don't think anyone's going to go undefeated. Nebraska Wesleyan certainly is in more of a position to do that than anybody else at this point. But I'm not surprised. And I say that because Nebraska Wesleyan's gotten this far without being undefeated. But I'm not surprised. So Williams was bound to lose. The question is, what what happens to him now? Well, let's see what they do against Middlebury first. They've got that coming up this weekend. Myself as a voter, I've got them sitting in the sixth slot. I don't have any reasons right now. Well, maybe St. John's I'll put ahead of them, but nobody behind them would I move them. Uh, Stevens Point I don't think is better than Williams right now. I don't think Hamilton's better than Williams. We know that considering um, – uh, results that we've already seen this season with Williams. Um, of course, Wesleyan's played Hamilton as well. And, and I'm sorry, Williams has a Hamilton game at the end of the season. I apologize. I keep forgetting that fact. So, you know, maybe Hamilton, maybe, maybe St. Thomas, but I, I don't, I don't know how far I would really knock Williams for a, a close loss uh, to Amherst on the road at Lafrac. So uh, again, our hearts and thoughts, are with the uh, the Hickson family uh, on their loss of Hickson's mother, Dave Hickson's mother. Uh, we certainly uh, look forward to seeing Dave back on the sidelines, but in the meantime, certainly uh, thoughts should be elsewhere for the Hickson family, understandably. So we've gotten this far in the show, and we haven't even mentioned uh, who we have on it, and we haven't even checked the chat room, so we'll give us a moment here to get those things fired up. As for guests on tonight's show in order of appearance, number 20, Capital men's basketball coach Damon Goodwin will join us. They, yes, just lost to Heidelberg. Probably not the team you would have figured they would lose to, but their 12-game losing streak came to again to an end against Heidelberg in a close affair, 63-62. They've got Ohio Northern, who's having anything but a good season ahead of them. We'll talk to Damon about his team and the OAC battle. Michelle Ferentz joins us from the number 24th-ranked Whitman Blues women's basketball team. We talk about a number of things with her uh, including incredible travel. They had four games on the road in a span of a, a little over a week, one weekend to the next weekend. Not easy to do. We talked to her about that. By the way, get out of calendar sometime and check out that trip. It is anything but pleasant, I would argue. Um, uh, let's see. Sorry, I'm actually checking, chat, checking the chat room here to see if anybody's commented on things. Um We'll also have Naomi Graves from Springfield women's basketball team on, on the WBCA center court segment. The team's 11-5, and five, but Naomi Graves has a story to tell, including how she's worked with the U.S. Marine Corps about leadership and diversity. That program has been honored for its diversity. We will certainly be talking to them. Uh, if anyone's chatted with us on any of the chat rooms, there is a good chance I have missed your messages, and I apologize now because we just got those chat rooms up. So if you have a question or a comment, let us know. Uh, we'll wrap things up tonight with Landry Kalsmalski, 
the head coach of the number 10th ranked Swarthmore Garnet. Uh, I told you on Sunday's show how impressed I was with Swarthmore. We'll have Landry on to talk about just how impressive things are for his program. So that's all ahead here on Hoopsville ahead of Sunday's show. Um, little, We teased this late last night. We should have retweeted it this morning, but we teased this late last night. We got a little bit of a surprise on the show, but you're going to have to be on the lookout for it um, to be sure, and we hope uh, you spot it. Uh, but we're proud of it, to say the least. A uh, sign of the times, as it were, coming along. Um, weather, we, we hinted at stormy weather on our last show Sunday. Unfortunately, part of the conversation about stormy weather was supposed to involve Greenville's men's basketball coach, uh, Dr. George Barber, about the fact that a lot of games in that conference got delayed last weekend due to a winter storm that rolled through the center part of the country, then hit the East Coast where we were, held on a little longer here, though certainly uh, D.C. got nearly a foot of snow, but we didn't. We got maybe three, four inches, maybe five inches up here. Um, another storms, and uh, there's some snow hitting the new uh, this area tonight. Then we got a really messy Storm hitting the weekend in the Mid-Atlantic area up through New England. I think it's coming out of, again, one of those storms where I think it's got two different feeds. I've lost track a little, but there's a lot of games being postponed. A lot of games, game times are changing. So check your times. Make sure that games for are, are going on as scheduled. I know a number of games already in the Mid-Atlantic and New England areas that have been either moved to another day or have been moved up anywhere from 90 minutes to two or three hours. Uh, so just keep an eye out for that and uh, be sure you know exactly where you are, uh, where you are watching things or, or, or you will show up to a game late. And that's obviously not the most ideal uh, situation. So just a heads up. It's that time of year. And certainly as a result, that time of year is going to, it's going to result in, uh, delays or postponements or or uh, cancelizations. Um, randomly, last weekend, you may have remembered I, I was at I mentioned being at a high school event at Trinity University in DC. Obviously, Trinity wasn't involved in that, but it was a, it was a, actually it was men's basketball, but boys basketball on top of that. Wonderful facility at Trinity. Well, ironically enough, um, they had a game against Wilson yesterday in women's basketball. The game was at Wilson, was not at Trinity. Um, <laughs> it ended with three and a half minutes on the clock. Uh, 3.35 left. Wilson hit a layup. Actually, no, it was about an eight-foot jumper on the baseline, actually, now that I think about it. Somewhat in a in a break. Um, that made the score 127 to 7. It appears that Trinity called timeout and told the officials they were done. They were done playing. I believe Trinity played five players. I think that's all they have on their roster, to be honest with you. I have forgotten to double-check that, or triple-check that, I should say. I looked late last night and uh, didn't come back to it uh, to confirm what I had seen late last night. And uh, anyway, they called timeout, checking the roster now. And well, they got more than five listed, but I believe the, the, the box score only had five. Uh, 3.35 left in the game. They shook hands and walked off the floor. Um, it almost begs the question, why then? Uh, I, Wilson is not the type of program that's going to score 127 points on a normal night. They're not the type of program that's going to score 127 necessarily against Trinity. Um, I did to be an official game. You've got to play three quarters of it in men's 
men's and women's basketball. That's 30 minutes. So end of the third quarter, you are basically official. Could have called it then. Uh, could have called it a moment into the fourth quarter just to make it truly official if necessary. Neither of those things happened. Um, game didn't really need to be played to some degree. I Granted, there were five players who did play. It just seemed like an odd decision, and it certainly got uh, a number of people who messaged me about it. Initially, Wilson put it in as a 2 nothing forfeit on their side. They may still have it there, but stats count. It was a 127-7 game. Um, just an odd thing that you see once in a while, to be honest. The only reason I brought it up was it was just odd. Uh, not, not much more to report on it. Um, I think Trinity's got a wonderful facility. I would love to see a program... Uh, justify the facility to some degree. It is a beautiful place to see a basketball game, well lit, nice um, bleachers. The court is very well kept, got good good baskets. It's it's a nice facility. It's right above an auditorium. You wouldn't know it. You don't sense that there's a pool below you. It's got a nice upper deck with a with a track. There's nothing about it that says we're a program that we hardly talk about on shows like Hoopsville or on D3Hoops.com. I would hope Trinity sometime in the future can maybe solve that equation. So there you go. Chad O'Donnell says, how does a team score 127 on a team that only scored seven? Seems a little rough. Honestly, but here's here's the thing. For starters, Wilson's not a – it's not like Thomas Moore walked in the door. It, Wilson's not on par with the top teams in the country, to be blunt. And that's not a knock on on Wilson. They're just – they're not a powerhouse. Trinity is – Clearly in a rebuilding stage to some degree. I got that sense with their hire. I, I don't think Wilson, they played nine, uh, seven players. They have nine on their roster. I think they played, or something along those lines. They had two more on their roster than they played. It, this time of year, that's not uncommon with injuries. I don't think, I think Wilson certainly hit their shots. Uh, 75 points of their 127 were considered on fast break. You could write in a lot there, but both, both this is college now, and both coaches put their teams on the floor. I was just surprised that at three thirty-five they finally decided that was a time to have enough. Just, just odd, just odd altogether. Um, by the way, my top twenty-five blog is out, but we'll talk about that at the end of the show. If you ever want a sense of how I voted in the top twenty-five, I posted it finally. We'll also talk about later in the show, and McDaniel, Becky Martin, will be uh, honored by the uh, women's team on Saturday with a halftime ceremony, but we'll talk about that later in the show because we need to uh, get a moving, as it were. we got to get going. Coming up, Capitals men's basketball coach Damon Goodwin joins us to talk about his Crusaders and what we should make or not make of the fact that they uh, lost to Heidelberg on Wednesday night. Plenty to discuss. We'll talk it with him. If you got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Take a break. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we return. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division three level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. 
and a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Karen Harvey, head basketball coach at Montclair State University and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave. Yeah, microphones are always key. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying the show. For those of you who are watching, I do have false starts every once in a while. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're chatting with people. Uh, one person asking about that 127-7 game, talking about how at some point you tell your team not to have fast breaks anymore. I, I don't disagree with that, though having watched a little bit of the archive, I can tell you the opponent wasn't exactly getting back either. Yeah, you can go some yin and yang there and say that maybe you just hold on to the ball as long as possible. I, I don't disagree either. Uh, it's two programs, again, in Wilson that doesn't tend to put up a lot of points in general, so maybe they're unfamiliar with even being in that situation to begin with, as is Trinity, and which is why they probably called a timeout with 3.35 left in the game and said, hey, finally, we're done playing, so thank you for coming. Um, we're switching gears into men's basketball. By the way, quick shout-out, thanks to the WBCA for their support. As you saw the ad there at the end, we've gotten them up and running. Of course, the NABC Big Two, and we'll talk more about them later. 
In men's basketball, one of the stories that certainly has caught a lot of people's attention in the last few weeks has been the hot streak of capital. The Crusaders won 12 in a row after starting the season one and two. Um, so there's this thing about Hoopsville that sometimes when I book a guest, I know I'm running the risk that something's going to throw a monkey wrench into things. Yeah, Heidelberg threw a monkey wrench into things. Defeated Capital last night, 63-62 in a dandy, of course, that game at Capital. Well, Damon Goodwin, though, said, you know what, Dave? I, I still want to come on the show and talk to you, which was nice of him. I, I appreciate him doing that. So he joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline via Skype. And, Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, let's get Heidelberg out of the way. Uh, what happened? But they're they're not that bad. They've got a, <laughs> a great senior player, and it was at Heidelberg, right. and they they had a great crowd. Um, they they did a great job against us defensively. We only scored sixty two points, and uh, you know they they made a play at the end of the game. We were up uh, two, had a chance, had a guy at the line, he missed, and they came down and made a play. So um, you know we we just have to get better from it. We got to learn from it, and uh, next time we're in that situation you know, uh, handled a lot better. You know, Marietta won by three there. They, they had uh, an overtime game. They kind of gave away to Muskingum last week. So so I think their their record is misleading. I wouldn't be surprised to, at the end of the year to, to see them, uh, you know, certainly uh, a lot higher than they are right now. Yeah, they're 6-10, and ten, but 4-5 and five in conference play and lurking, as it were. Right. Um, the oddball in this conference is Ohio Northern and John Carroll, but we'll come back to that. Let's talk about the fact you did have a 12-game winning streak here. It, it kind of got you the attention. You lost to Albion out of the gate by 3. You beat Trine by 2. You come back and then lose by 10 to, to Wittenberg, um, of course, at Wittenberg. Um, and then you went and saw Ohio Northern and, and got things rolling from there. And you, you've beaten some decent teams there. You, you beat Ohio Northern, who we thought would be a better team along the way, but you also beat, in this stretch, Mount Union, Marietta, and then John Carroll. And while I realize John Carroll's having an offseason, they can throw monkey wrenches on you. So I felt, okay, this Capitals playing pretty well here. What's been working with that 12-game stretch and probably working the rest of the season that you guys are doing so well? Well, the big thing for us is we have five seniors, and yeah. uh, th those kids have played for the past four years. And I think at any level, but certainly this level, whenever you have five seniors, um, you give yourself a chance. And, and uh, up until last night, you know, we we had played pretty strong. We had been focused. We had been disciplined. And and uh, and I think a big part of that was because we start four of those seniors, and the fifth kid plays off the bench, and and it was because of their their preparation. Uh, we, we dropped that a little bit last night, and now our job is to, to get that back and, and uh, hopefully um, start a, a streak of one starting tomorrow night. We're, we're playing on a Friday night because of the weather, right. and, and our whole goal right now is to get back at it. We Northern is struggling, and, and there's no doubt mm -hmm. about it. But the fact of the matter is they have a returning All-American player. And yeah. Anytime you play a returning All-American player, you can certainly get beat. So we have to be focused, and we have to uh, – uh, you know, do a better job of being prepared. And and uh, they've got some other really good players, too. A couple of the seniors are good. I, I don't think that, you know, I would not have guessed that they would be where they are right mm -hmm. now. But at the same time, they're not going to do that again. They're, they're going to win some games second time around. So we're just going to do what we can to make sure it's not us. Yeah, they're 4-12, and 0-9 conference play. But we saw them with a win against North Central uh, yeah. in Las Vegas after a 20-point loss at, to Linfield. 
And you're right. When need when you've got and I came out of that thinking to myself, he's an All-American for a reason, darn it. I have no reason not to to keep him on a first team despite what that team has done. How do you go up against a guy like him? Well, well you you got to do it with multiple guys. There's nobody in our league that can handle him one-on-one. Uh, he, he's bigger, stronger, faster than most of the guys in our league and the first time we we uh, you know, we try to front him, we try to mix it up a little bit, play behind, trap him. Uh, we just got to keep them off balance, and I think that's what teams are trying to do. And and uh, they they struggled a little bit, you know. Last year they had a couple seniors that around him that that really made some shots. To this point, you know, they they haven't had a group make as many shots as last year. And and but I think they're fully capable of doing that. But anytime you have a six eight six nine center <laughs> that's a, a division three all American, you you have to play to win. And and that's the way we're approaching it tomorrow. Of course, we're talking about Ryan Bruns uh, there. I forgot we didn't even mention his name, but um, really good talent. Tall, lanky, uh, strong, can play from outside. You, on the other hand, have some really interesting talent. you got three guys averaging 16 points or better. Really, three guys, 16 points a game. Uh, Austin Schreck, a senior, 16.5. Joey uh, Weingarter, 16.2. Caleb Cox, 15.8, all seniors. And really knocking on the doorstep there is Will Hanna, another senior at 9.9. You mentioned the five seniors, and when you got four of them basically in double figures, that gives you plenty of options. It does. You know, those first three you mentioned, they, they've kind of taken turns playing well, and one of them has a bad game. The other two pick them up, and, and uh, you know, last night that really didn't happen. That's the first time in a long time that didn't happen. So we, we have to get back to that. But those three guys, you know, they're our foundation. Uh, we, we run everything through one of those three guys, and, and they've all – in their way, have had really good years. You know, Caleb Cox is averaging about 11 rebounds a game too. So, and and uh, mm-hmm. Austin Shrek is is always guarding the best offensive player on the other team, and and Joey is certainly uh, uh, you know a, a real offensive talent in this league. We have two other seniors, uh, like you said, Will Hanna's knocking on the door, almost 10 points a game, and our sixth man is a kid named Gavin Wildermuth, and they've all given us some really good minutes this year. You should point out, Weidgartner got a thousand points. Uh, I think it was last night. Um, now two of them, uh, Shrek being the other, with a thousand points this season. By the way, you're nine deep almost every single solitary game, and you're willing to go ten, eleven in most games. Well, it, it, you know, with the absence of TV timeouts, I think you see a lot of teams at Division Three that that have to go that that deep. Um, and that it's a, the guys coming off the bench are interchangeable somewhat. Some mm-hmm. games we go with one guy, depending on the matchup, depending on how healthy he is and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think at this level, that's an important thing. Um, as I watch D1 games live, it, it really, mm-hmm. I, I think it influences the game too much, those TV timeouts. I, I like the purity of, of the Division three game, not having TV timeouts and having to use your bench a little bit more than the Division ones do. Let me ask you that, though. D3 starting to see the media timeouts. I mean, my alma mater does it. They're not in the national conversation by any stretch of the imagination, but they use it. You've got conferences elsewhere who have now implemented it. It's starting to matriculate its way through the through the division. Is that something you think eventually will overtake and will lose that nuance of not having them, or do you hope it doesn't? Well, I, I hope not. I, I think that that's a distinct thing about our game, and and I the flow of the game to me is a lot more pure. I, I just 
like I said, as I watch Division One games, there's obviously great talent and great coaches and great programs, but the, the stoppage of play every four minutes, I truly believe, makes it a different game. And, and I like the purity of our game without the TV timeouts. I don't it, at our level. I'm not sure there's a necessity for it. Um, I know they do it in the tournaments, uh, in the NCAA tournament, but I, I just I I hope it doesn't go that way. Yeah, I can certainly understand that. Uh, talking with Damon Goodwin here, the uh, head coach of Capital, 20, 20th ranked Crusaders, uh, thirteen and three on the season. Coach, we've talked a lot about what you guys do well. If I were to put you on the spot, what don't you guys do well that you're still trying to to, to fine tune that may make you dangerous if you figure it out? Well, I, I think you know teams in our conference already know this. I, I think we have trouble sometimes staying in front of uh, uh, matchups. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night was a tough matchup for us just because of what Heidelberg's strength is and and what ours is, and and uh, we are traditionally a, a very focused, a very disciplined man team and. And uh, having held position at the at the spot it should be, and and last night they kind of broke us down on that. Mm. So I, I think we have to get better at containing guys, uh, uh, particularly from a perimeter standpoint, not letting them get to the rim. And and uh, part of that is being in the right position to show help and get in the high gaps and all that stuff. But but that's that's given us a little bit of a problem with a couple teams this year. And Albion was one of them, to to be quite honest, at the beginning of the year. And and uh, you know, we have to shore that up uh, because we're going to see a few more teams like that. We see a couple in our league, and mm-hmm. and uh, they all know this. I'm not giving them anything. <laughs> they can see us play. They can figure it out, and we just have to do a good, a better job of, of combating that. Well, to some degree, it's all about execution, not necessarily mm-hmm. about springing a trap. You guys share uh, coaching secrets amongst each other anyway. Yeah, everybody wants to know what everybody does. Right. It's probably why the grease board behind you is so empty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Coach, you guys haven't had, um, well, really an above 500 season since 2012, 2013, when you guys were 19 and 7 and had, had a nice run there. You know, 12 and 14 several times, 13 and 13. Is there an element now also, especially with, the, with, with this group, core of seniors, of almost teaching them about the experience of being on top or expect the spotlight maybe being on them? Is there an element of, hey, guys, welcome to the fray? <laughs> Well, we, we talked about that actually last week that, you know, we've had a good start and, and uh, it's been hard, uh, but now it gets really hard. You know, when, when teams aren't expecting you to play and and as you know, we, we had a good run for about a decade, maybe 12, 15 years that we were competing for league championships on a pretty consistent basis. And, and we've had a couple of years that we've been around that 500 mark here and we're, we're trying to climb back out of that. And, and this senior group has done that. Um, but they haven't been in this position before, and it's new for them. And, and um, at practice today, we talked about some of these things that, that they need to understand that, okay, now you're going to get everybody's best shot. Now everybody knows what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're going to be challenged in ways maybe we weren't challenged the first time around. And, and that's been our focus is, is to address those things and, and to make sure that uh, the second time around the league that, that we are elevating our game as well. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, allow that spotlight to be shown and uh, to talk about the Crusaders. You're right. I, I remember the, the time. Great. It's great to see you guys back in the conversation. Fascinating to see how the rest of this OAC battle turns out. I mean, John Carroll, and it may not be good, but they're going to be a battle. But you got Marietta in there, and Mountain Union certainly makes it interesting. It's fun to watch, to say the least. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? 
Yeah, it's a great league. You know, we cannibalize each other, and it's, <laughs> it really is a, a tough and difficult league. I'm not surprised that, that we had a challenge last night in Heidelberg, you know, uh, won the game. It, it's going to happen every night, and we're just going to do our best to, to make sure it doesn't happen again. Well, thanks again for your time, Coach. Good luck uh, the rest of the season. We'll look forward to catching up the Crusaders down the road, and we'll, we'll look forward to talking to you as well. Thank you, Dave. Absolutely. Damon Goodwin joining us here on the Hoopsville uh, Hotline, presented by Blue Frame Technology. We appreciate him taking the time. Again, they got an Ohio Northern coming up, and again, that's Friday. We talked about weather changes. It's coming up on Friday. That's tomorrow, 7 o'clock. Uh, uh, four home games left, five road games left. They've got a nice balance there. Uh, but key games, again, you've got not only just conference, but the fact that Marietta still has to be played a second time, though at home there'll be an advantage. Mount Union on the road. We are far from over in the OAC. We can take another break, and we're going to jump out to the Northwest. We're going to move out and see Whitman, women's basketball. Talk to them about what's going on in the conference and with them. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville when we return. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. 
from eastern to occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening. Hope you are enjoying the show, as we always hope. If you got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're also streaming via Periscope, so you can always fire your uh, your questions back via Twitter that way as well. We're on Instagram at d3hoopsville, but as we say, we don't tend to interact there on the show. We just use that to make sure you are aware of who's on the show. When you talk women's basketball, uh, there's a few islands, obviously in Division Three for both men's and women's, but one of the ones that we're always keeping a keen eye on is the Northwest Conference. George Fox, Whitman, Whitworth, plenty of good basketball teams up there. George Fox has been ranked uh, for much of the season, but Whitman has snuck in thanks to a really good stretch of games here on the road. Both men's and women's teams, three games on the road uh, at Whitworth to start, then at Linfield, and then at George Fox. And both men and women came out undefeated, including the women with a win over nationally ranked George Fox. Gives us a really good excuse to talk to the head coach of the Blues women's program. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline is Michelle Ferenc. And, Coach, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Dave. Good to talk to you. Absolutely. I, I, I love these chats. Um, we should point out we're pre-taping this. You're busy getting the team ready for the next round of, of games. So, uh, in case anybody's trying to fire questions at us, we're not going to get them in. Just warning you all now. Uh, how do you feel about the team, the team and, the, and the point this season? You're 12-3. and three. You're a perfect 6-0 and in the conference. On paper, you should be thrilled, but how do you really feel? <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, um, you know I'm, I'm, I think, you know, the, obviously the is the – the season went on. Um, we started off with a really tough schedule, and you know, it took us a few hits, um, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, but grew up from them, and that's what you hope for. And I think that that's what we're seeing. Um, you know, we, we actually had four road games in a week because we had to go to Lewis and Clark. Oh, true. Um, yeah, on the Saturday before, so we went Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, all on the road. Ooh. So, um, and um, just really proud of how the kids handled it, grew up a lot. Um, you know, obviously the win over Fox was a big one, but it yeah. wasn't a big one unless we took care of the other three and none of those none of those venues are have been friendly to us in the past. Sure. And yeah. they, you know, in all are very early in the conference season, you know, anything can happen and, and so yeah, I'm really I was really proud of how we responded and, and um, you know, just I think we grew up a lot um mm -hmm. and we needed it i mean we're, we've got a lot of you know new faces playing different roles and um that that is that's promising but now you know that never gets any easier so we have yeah. a couple of foreign foreign two teams you know from our conference coming in you know this weekend in plu and ups so we're you know there's no no rest for the worry but we are yeah. not getting on a bus not getting on a bus and that's <laughs> the, that's that's the that is the uh my staff my staff is um incredibly excited so um maybe we can yeah they i think the assistant coaches were more excited than the players so yeah um it, yeah so it was good comfortable seats to and from the locker room back to my car i don't have to worry about climbing on a bus and eating some food <laughs> that maybe i'm yeah. not really in the mood to eat 
Yeah, well, it's not like our road trips are short. So, no. I mean, we, you know, we, you know, a short road trip for us is three hours to to Whitworth. So, <laughs> you know, we we did a lot of bonding these last that last week. You know, a um, lot of lot of togetherness. So. Oh, probably a lot of movies you didn't want to watch either. Uh, amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, we'll get a little more to the grind here in a moment, but I want to backtrack to the beginning of the season. We should point out of the three losses, only one is to a Division three school. Uh, we yeah. and I have talked about this and your scheduling in the past. You have three opponents that you that don't um, have Division three roots: Eastern Oregon, Walla mm-hmm. Walla, and Montana Tech. Um, Walla Walla, we can probably move on from a pretty easy win. The men actually had their game mm-hmm. canceled. Walla Walla's got its own challenges, but Eastern Oregon and Montana Tech tripped you up. But they were all close games. What yeah. do we What do we need to know as Division three fans of who those opponents are and what those results actually mean? Well, they were early in the season, and they were sure. in, um, East, you know, Eastern Oregon is about as neighborly as we're going to get. I mean, they're 90 <laughs> minutes from us. So, um, you know, we location-wise, um, it makes sense for us to try to play them. You know, Angie Wisenslew runs a, a top-notch, you know, in NAI Division II program. I think they're ranked in the top 10 in NAI Division II, and, you know, she's won that um, that conference, that Cascade Conference, mm-hmm. uh, every year that I can remember in the last five to ten years. So it was you know, it, it it's always a good game. It's always close. We we had to play them there because of a scheduling glitch. They were supposed to come to us, and um, you know, we 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 learned a lot from it. You know, they 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 threw some things at us. We had a lot of chances to win, and we learned a lot from playing them. And they've just continued to roll, and as expected, so nothing nothing lost there. And then you know, Montana Tech plays in the Frontier Conference, um, which right now is an AA Division One conference. Um, that has, I believe, four teams in the top 20 right now, and they're they're struggling a little bit. But I mean, they have, I think they have Lewis and Clark State, Carroll, um, Western Montana, and there's one other. They're all like in the top 20 of their ranking. So it's a brutal league, and we played them as part of um, going to Whitworth to play in a tournament. So we didn't really have a choice. And uh, but you know, we had our chances to win there too, but learned a lot too about executing down the stretch they were bigger than us um athletic which you know we needed we needed mm-hmm. to play against you have you know every 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 opponent like that just just allows you especially at that point in the season i mean i, I want to take them i'd rather take those types of losses then and sure. challenge ourselves yeah and, and and learn and we needed that we needed that and and we've grown from it you know part of it is how your team handle it and then obviously thomas morris just roll and i mean they're a good <laughs> team and I don't know what else to say. I mean, they we we had our moments. We played really well at times, and then we just let them get away from us a little bit in the second half. But I mean, nobody's been able to trip them up, and um, they they're firing all cylinders, have experience, you know, that we we didn't have at that point in the season. And you know, obviously, we hope to see them again at some point. So, um, but you know, I can't imagine they won't be highly ranked and seated in the tournament so yeah, i'm curious when they gave you a call because obviously jeff hands was was looking for games anywhere and anywhere yeah. uh to try and play and mm-hmm. coming out to the northwest i know was on his radar for a while to try and solve this year's conundrum as they as they move to naia eventually but when, when you got that call or email or whatever I, i'd love to know what your first reaction was um I mean, I knew that. I mean, I. I mean, obviously, we played them in 2014, and, right. and know know the quality, know the know the reputation, and I, I. I was I was excited to be honest. I mean, I I wasn't I wasn't sure our team would be ready to play at that level. Sure. You know that they were going to be playing at, but we learned a lot. Again, it's just a learning experience, and 
um, it's one of those games which you don't get a ton of, especially in December, January, yeah. where it's like, gosh, it's a great matchup against, you know, hey, win, lose, or draw. You're, it, it doesn't, it, it matters. It's a great win if you get it. You lose, eh, you know, it's not the, not the end of the world. And, right. and, and that was kind of how we approached it. And, uh, you know, I mean, we, we learned a lot about our kids. And they kept fighting back, kept fighting back. And to Thomas More's credit, they threw something new at us. Mm-hmm. Somebody new did something, you know. And with every counter or everything we figured out, they had something else. And and um, we missed some shots that we need to make, and and they just got away from us. But it was it was a great learning experience. And no, were we happy to lose? No, of course not. And did we feel like you know we had an opportunity to slip away? Sure, but um, it's it's only bad if you don't learn from it. And like I said, I mean, it's not like anybody else has been able to put a ding in their armor. So I, I feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're in a good spot. And um, like, we just took it as a learning experience, sat down, watched the things that we need to get better at. Um, and curious before we move on, did the Colorado college yeah. game before that maybe not help you and nothing against Colorado college, but that's an, an easy 39 point win. And now you've got to re engage into a much different game the next night. You know, I'm, I mean, Colorado College is, is improving. I mean, they've been young the last couple of years, and, you know, they do a couple of things really well. And so, you know, we, we tried to – we had to get ready for them. I mean, I think we played really well against them, um, especially offensively. And, you know, but, you know, you got to take it one at a time. I mean, Colorado College is an important game. It's a West region opponent, and you've got to prepare for that one. And and, and that's kind of how our approach has been all year. We can't can't worry about Thomas when we got to take Colorado College. I mean, we obviously try to get ready for both, but – um, you know, Thomas, I mean, they, they were, yeah, they were completely different in how they attacked us, um, and how we had to defend. And, and we, to be honest, we weren't quite ready to deal with what we needed to deal with with Thomas Moore. Just too many weapons and, um, sure. too experienced, too experienced at that point. They made reads and, and exploited things and we, we just weren't ready to, to handle it. And, um, we, but we grew up from it. So, sure. Um, when doing the quick math, it's approximately 1,400 miles when you decided to do the trip to Lewis and Clark, then to home, then to Whitworth, then home, then to Linfield, George Fox, and back home. So I, you know, just a rough estimate, 1,400 miles, about 24 plus hours in the, on the bus. That is yeah. a grind. And I don't remember, I'm definitely, you know, not aware. Have you had that kind of scheduling in this conference before where you've had that kind of, kind of brutal one week schedule? Never in a week. We've wow. we've um, we've we've had a little glitch in the schedule because of holidays, and sure. this was the decision of the of the the higher ups, not um, the coaches involved, or you know the ads and the commissioner, um, sure. to uh, avoid having to play over the holidays. And you know we we've had to move games around, but we've never had to move uh, four conference games into a seven day span. So I, and I told my players that I said I've been here eighteen years, and we have never we've had tough stretches, mm-hmm. but we've never done this before. This is this is by far the brutalest road trip yeah. I've been involved in in Whitman and and you know in into environments where I mean. We've had our problems at Lewis and Clark. We've never, we've never played well at Linfield. I mean, it was like Whitworth is Whitworth is always it was on TV, you know, local cable. I mean, it's always, always a tough game at Whitworth. I mean, it's just, yeah, it was like, you know, 
could we pile one more thing on? Oh yeah, you got to play George Fox at the end of it all. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just we and part of the problem was we didn't get to practice. We had no real time to just right. really work on ourselves. We were just constantly getting ready for the next opponent, and um, you know, I thought our kids handled it really well. A lot of time on I eighty four. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, and the kick, and then the kicker was we're about ninety minutes from home, and our bus broke down. So. Oh. Um, on the last road trip, so we um, spent some quality time at a truck stop. Um, our men's team was coming back, so we piled the kids onto the on the men's team bus to get home. But we That's we spent good. almost two hours at a truck stop, and uh, yeah, it was just I, like you know, thank goodness we won. It would have been a lot more sure. miserable, I guess. So, yeah, but sure. yeah, it's yeah, so it's behind us now, and now we got to refocus. So. Yeah, so now the focus is. I mean, you, I mean, granted, you got to win over a nationally ranked George Fox. Now you're in the national rankings. You beat them by 19. Mm-hmm. Is that happenstance that you got lucky and the next time around it ain't going to be as great? Or are you more on along the lines of, no, we, we are that good and, we, and just no one's noticed yet? Well, I mean, I think the one thing is we have one Division three loss, and right. that is to Thomas More. Right. And, you know, and Thomas More's beat everybody. I mean, and so that's more like, you know, we're, we're taking care of business. And maybe we didn't go – and, you know, schedule the top team in every conference. But we, we have played some out-of-conference, you know, some quality teams out-of-conference, you know, Texas Tyler and Murray. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've in Colorado College, and, and you know, we, we've tried to bulk up our D3. But, you know, in the end, you got to win in your conference. And yeah. so um, and once you get into conference, I think a little bit is familiarity. I mean, we um, – I mean, obviously, we play Fox more than anybody, you know. And yeah. so I think, you know, I think our kids just – um, it wasn't a pretty game. You can look at the stats. I mean, there's a ton of turnovers, a ton of offensive rebounds. There's right. nothing pretty about it. But um, what our kids did is they really did a great job defensively. They really they they forced Fox to take shots they didn't want to take. They forced shots to ru- they forced them to rush. And then when we were able to break the press, we we did a great job attacking the hoop. And so. Um, you know, and our our post players were great on the glass, and then, you know, and at a time our guards were struggled, and at times our guards were brilliant. So, hit hit open shots when we got them, and and so we were very opportunistic against Fox. But we also, you know, same goes for Mike. He knows us well too. So I think you know he 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 knew we were off coming off a mm-hmm. four game stretch on the road, and I think they up their amped up their pressure, and at times it really worked to their favor because we were tired, yeah. and um, at times our kids just sucked it up, and you know we. Sucked it up more than we, than we when we caved. Sure. I mean that was really the the bottom line. And and our and our and like I said, we once we broke the pressure, our kids did a great job seeing the floor, executing, attacking. Um, and so that was and we we shot a pretty high percentage when we weren't turning it over. Let's put it that way. So, um, <laughs> but helps. we turned it over a lot. You know, we turned it over a lot. And um, but you know, we we made free throws. We 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 you. That's how you have to play against Fox. You got to take the opportunities and you got to make the most of them. And you can't. You can't mentally, um, I don't know what the word is for, but you can't mentally collapse because you turn the ball over. Because you're going to turn the ball over. It's oh, going to happen. Gonna, They're yeah. going to, yes. Yeah, it's going to happen. And, you know, and I, I, I look at some of their, their games against some of the top teams and teams that played them tight or got close wins against them turn the ball over more than we did. So, you know, it's just it's just the nature of playing them. So, you know, I, I think our kids understood that and kept their composure. And that was a big part of keeping composure. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and so now, but no, do I expect uh, the second round to be any easier? No, and yeah. I've been doing it this long enough. I mean, teams are going to get better. Our conference, the middle of our conference is, is improved a ton, and this weekend won't be easy, um, and I don't expect 
you know, going on the road to Willamette Pacific the next week and it'll be easy sure. either. So it's just it's just the conference that is um knocking each other off. I guess that's the we we've stayed on skates and Fox except for us has stayed on skates, but the rest of them beat up on each other. So um there's it seems to it seems to be matchups and it seems to be who shows up that night, home, road, whatever the factors are, but um, it's not going to get any easier. Yeah, stay above the fray if you can. It tried to. Yeah, That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> that's the goal. Um, we should point out, by the way, you've got one senior on the squad. Uh, that's it. What? Uh, Megan Martin, uh, who isn't even the team's leading scorer. you got two juniors doing that in Stone mm-hmm. uh, and, and Burdett. This is, this is a team that's still kind of coming into its own to some degree. Yeah, it really is, and we're we don't have a ton of depth, but the depth that we're we're playing is been effective. Our bench has contributed and been solid, and um, it, you know, and that's funny because even when we got back from the holidays and we we're getting ready for this four game road trip, we had eight kids healthy, and so we're back to twelve this week. But you know, we we were we were really dinged up with injuries coming out of out of before Christmas and after Christmas. Mm-hmm. So we've we've had some depth issues, but um, no, yeah, I mean. Megan Megan has been um, great. I mean, um, she has played off of uh, Makana and and really, I mean, double doubles and just really effective and undersized post player. Smart has really stepped up her game defensively. It's been, um, you know, I thought one of the best games she played all year was against Linfield, mm. and she hardly scored. She went and got boards, but she hardly scored. But she probably got her hands, tipped more things, created more havoc defensively, um, really slowed down their leading scorer, um, Corey Olson. So, um, yeah, I mean, she's she's really kind of embraced her role and, and played really well. So, Well, the, the disadvantage was you played four on the road. The advantage is six yeah. of your next ten are at home. Um, including yeah. four straight against, <laughs> interestingly enough, Whitworth, Lewis, and Clark, George Fox, and Linfield. Uh, obviously, home floor is important. You're gonna you want to want to hold court to some degree, but how do you yep. now refocus on also not letting the advantage of having being at home uh, become a disadvantage? Well, and that's kind of the challenge this week. I mean, what worked for us on the road has to work for us at home. We we have to be completely focused on PLU, and they're playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, four and two in conference, and I think they're like same overall record that we have. Um, and we we've got to be dialed in, just like we were dialed in on Linfield or dialed in on, on LC. I mean, Whit, you know, Whitworth, we didn't dial in right away. We and, and we needed then had to adjust some things at halftime. But dialed in on Foxy, we have to be dialed in, and yeah. we can't change that mode. And that's just the way it's going to be. In the team, I really believe in this conference this year because there's so much. Um, the middle is so much better and competitive. I think it's going to come down to which team can really focus every game on the task at hand. And that's what we've been talking about, um, especially these last couple of weeks, is just focus on the task at hand, what you have to do. And, and our kids have, have really embraced that. And so they got to continue. Hopefully, yeah. And they, I mean, we, we don't get to play. We haven't played at home for a while, so that's a little scary. Yeah. Um, last time we played at home, I think, was Thomas Moore. So, <laughs> yes. um, you know. so um, Back on December you know, 8th. Definitely. Yeah, I was going to say, Jeff Hans may have been on the road, but we returned the favor. But um, we, yeah, so, yeah, that's it. We, we, we're we excited to be home, but, you know, also it's, it'll be different. But we, we need to, yeah, we need to defend the home court. you got to defend the home court in this conference. So, now you're going to be in trouble. Sure. If you weren't busy yeah. enough, by the way, you're also interim athletics director. Oh, oh by the gosh, way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way. Uh, how's that experience been? Um, it's the last couple of weeks, the last 
few weeks have been tough because there's been a lot going on in athletic director world. Um, that's why I call it called the 80 world. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, between some meetings that had I had to go to and then um, some reports that have to be done. Um, so my staff has been amazing. They have picked up the slack and, um, you know, hopefully gaining some experience about, you know, what it means to be a head coach, but they, they have been just on top of things and thank God. So, um, because, you know, I, my, my biggest fear in assuming this role on the interim was that my team would suffer. And that's, you know, you promise, you know, we make promises to kids that, you know, they're our priority when we recruit them and they are a priority. And, um, you know, assuming the AD, the interim AD role is about, you know, serving my college and serving my colleagues. But in the end, it's about always, always about the team. And, um, you know, also gotten a lot of help from my my staff, my, my my athletic staff. They've been great about stepping in and helping, and um, you know, taking some things off the AD role plate too. So, but sure. it's it's been exhausting. I think that's a little bit of why I got sick was um, everything kind of hit four game road yeah, trip and sure. and uh, and and then some really big stuff needed to be done um, on on this the other side of it. But you know, um, it's 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 could be worse. I mean, it, sure. and so I just I'm busy. I'm really busy. I have a gut uh, feeling, but, though, you're not headed to Orlando and, and the NCAA convention. That's just a gut feeling. I am not. Yeah, no, no I figured. Not, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm going on whatever road trip we're on, and uh, can't even, I can't remember which one it is. I don't even is, know if but, you're on the road. Are you on the road? Yeah, you are. I you are. Well, I'm in Pacific. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm, uh, I, did, I did ask to um, get a pass on that, and the administration was <laughs> oh, yes. incredibly supportive. And uh, um, and the thing is, is that my my associate, the person who's helping me this month is our swim coach, and um, so busy. she's in season two. <laughs> so we're we we've been like I said, we've had some people step up and and really help in that. I would just I tell mean, Eric he's going, and he just has to deal with the fact that he doesn't get to coach his team on that trip. Yeah, no, no, I don't think that's no? Very well <laughs> I tried. I don't think that's uh, yeah, we're, we. I think we uh, we were we were kind of uh, looking around at veteran coaches and our, our golf coach. It worked out where he. Um, uh, oh, he go wants to, to play. Convention. <laughs> well, he that is it. It just happens to coincide with a PGA equipment event right there in Orlando. So he was oh, more than willing to go. Well, so. there's a nice course um, around the Marriott too. So he's he's in heaven. Yeah, yeah he'll be he fine. Is, he he'll, is. Yeah, no. He's, yeah, I'm sure he volunteered. He, he I'll did, do it. He did. He, uh, I, he he volunteered and he was ready to go and uh, he was glad oh. for the department to pay for it. So yes, it exactly. Right. I was going to say there's another advantage here we're not talking about. He doesn't really have yeah. any expenses here. Yeah, yeah. No, he win, so. win. That lucky. Man. Yeah. Yes, he is. Uh, Coach, I really appreciate you coming on and chatting. Thanks so well, thank much you. for taking the time. Uh, as always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? No, I just pay attention. I think the Northwest Conference is uh, mm-hmm. still, um, you know, we, we, we beat up on each other. And in the end, we, you know, we put, we put out a couple pretty high-quality teams on the national level. So hopefully we can continue mm-hmm. to continue to keep the attention. We appreciate your attention um, because I know that keeps us on the, on the selection committee's radar. And, um, you know, as we – but now, you know, we ought to take care of business. Sure. So we – yeah. So um, anyway, but – Appreciate your time, Dave. I always appreciate you know you reaching out to us. So and um, yeah, one of these days we're going to get you to Walla Walla. Yes. No. I was thinking about that when I was putting the mileage together. <laughs> I'd love to get out there and see some games. It's a beautiful part of the we country. Got, it is. It is, and it's uh, it's it's a uh, it's 
it is. It's just not easy to get to, but nope. we might be able to help you out with that. I, I think well, the I think well, you probably got you could probably I could probably say something to the AD on that effect. Maybe we can make that work. <laughs> Look at you. Uh, <laughs> I, we'll talk. We'll talk off air. We'll talk. I, I like the idea. Okay, Michelle. All thanks right. so much. We'll take take care. Day. Michelle French joining us from Whitman. Uh, we should point out she mentioned the conference. Listen, five of those teams are above five hundred, and Linfield's just below. Willamette's kind of below. Whitworth's at six and nine, Puget Sound eleven and three, along with Pacific Lutheran. George Fox at thirteen and three, Whitman at twelve and three, and most of those losses for those teams are against conference foes. The Northwest always is good. We've talked about the men's Whitworth Whitman. Women's is just as fun to watch. Remember, they gotten three teams in a few times. And anyway, uh, definitely worth tuning in for. When we come back, we'll stay with the women's team and we'll bring in the WBCA center court segment. We actually, though, jump all the way back to the East Coast. Naomi Graves from Springfield will join us. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we return. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists. And with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. 
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening. Once again, thanks to Michelle Ferenc for joining us earlier today. Of course, uh, a little glitch. We re-aired the uh, first few minutes of that of that uh, that interview after some fat finger on the uh, keyboard. But it was so good, we aired that section twice. Uh, but thanks again to her. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, we're simulcasting the show on Facebook and Periscope as well, um, by the way, if you email us and you run into a glitch, let us know. We've had some issues with the email. I just want to make sure everything's going okay. On Thursdays, we now have our WBCA Center Court segment, of course, in conjunction with the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, which we've had for the last few years. We appreciate their um, assistance with the program in many ways. And as a result, we get a chance to talk to some coaches who have a different influence on things, not just coaching, not just X's and O's, not just uh, mentoring and tutoring uh, their students, which is all very important. But a lot of coaches get involved in other things. Um, and as you may know from knowing this segment over the years, uh, they are very, very diverse and lots of options. The next one coming up is our WBCA Carol Ekman Integrity in Coaching Award winner. By the way, she, she's also beaten back breast cancer. She's also a professor, and she's traveled the world, especially with the game of basketball, uh, at the start of that. And she has time for coaching? Apparently she does, and apparently she loves it. And joining us in the WBCA center court on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by Buffalo Technology, uh, Buffalo Blue, Blue Frame Technology, sorry guys, uh, via Skype, it is Naomi Graves. Uh, from Springfield. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you coming and talking to us here at Springfield. Absolutely. Um, of course, uh, we usually are always talking to our good buddy, Charlie Brock. I am thrilled the fact that we're getting a chance to talk to you, especially here on the center court. Um, first and foremost, let's just talk about your team real quick. We should point out teams 11 and 5. You're undefeated in the NUMAC at 7 and 0. Uh, your last loss to a maybe undersung Vassar squad on New Year's Day. You've got to be pretty thrilled with how this team's doing this season. I am. I am. I'm really excited. It's, you know, we're at the midpoint, so I don't want to get too excited. Right. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with our start, and I'm hoping we can continue it. Yeah, very impressive. 7-1 uh, and one, Bapson is behind you by half a game. MIT, Smith, Emerson. It's it's a good battle in the new Mac this year. You said midway. You've got Bapson coming up on Saturday at home. Uh, is this a season you would hope for, the expectations that you would hope for from this squad after back-to-back 20-9 seasons? Yeah, I, I mean, I felt like we were going to have a pretty good run this year. Um, you never know, as you well yeah. know, with injuries and just student-athletes and new additions with freshmen, but... I'm pretty happy with where we are right now. This is your, what, 28th season, I believe, um, encroaching on about 425 victories. I think you're at 416. Well, you're at 416 heading into the season, so we're definitely well past 425 now. It is, this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but does it get old or does it always feel fresh every year? Um, there are certain parts of the game in the season that sometimes get old, like recruiting <laughs> road trips. You know that. Yes. But with, with the student-athletes coming in, it's not old. Um, they keep you hopping. I think most coaches will tell you that. And it's pretty exciting to try to put these, these kids together and try to make one unit play together well. And I still enjoy it, so it's fun. You've certainly had success. The new Mac maybe a little uh, overshadowed on the women's side from the men's side. Babson winning a national championship a couple of years ago on the men's side and certainly what Springfield men did last year. 
but you certainly have put together a solid program, a championship as recent as 2014, six of them in total. What's what, what's been the the evolution though of the conference in your years coaching? I, I mean, I certainly believe that our conference right now is one of the stronger conferences in the region. Um, I would say it's probably second to the NESCAC conference and probably the strength of the conference is the coaching staff that everyone has in our institutions in the conference. Um, it's just a really, really good group of head coaches and they work very hard and they recruit very strong athletes to their programs. So it's very competitive. You've been involved with college basketball since your playing days back in the early 80s. You have literally seen this game evolve. Um I won't say back when my mother played at Wellesley when she literally talks about playing only on half a court, but you, you've certainly seen how this game has changed, um, how it's maybe gotten deeper to some degree, the talent level especially. But what's been the biggest change from your perspective? I, I think it's more athletic. I mean, the, the, the young women coming into our game nowadays have skills that are much higher than the levels of skills that we had in the early days of the coaching levels have changed. I also think there's been a complexity to the process of the game with the recruitment issues in AAU. So I think, you know, these, these young kids start much earlier than I did. Mm. Um, and so there, there are other issues that arise because of that, you know, the overuse injury syndrome and sometimes the mental health piece of just burnout. I mean, I think there's several things that have happened because of that specialization, um, but definitely they're more skillful. Yeah, I can understand that specialization side, something I'm trying to keep my son from doing is being specialized in one sport. I want to see the diversity, and it's nice to see coaches start to speak out against it. By the way, we should point out, we go all the way back to high school with you. I love this stat. I'm going to read it as it is because it's just too good. Western Mass scoring leader with 2,137 points until former Southwick high, high star and UConn All-American Rebecca Lobo broke said record. Uh, are you and Lobo even friends at this point in time? I, you know, taking your record from you. Yeah, we're, I really have a lot of respect for Rebecca. She's done a tremendous amount of work to promote the women's game, and she's been an awesome role model, and now she's a mom coaching. And, you know, I, I just have a whole lot of respect for her, so I wouldn't call us friends, but we're acquaintances, <laughs> and I totally support what she's doing because she's doing some great stuff. You went on to play at University of Rhode Island um, yeah. and were captain of that team. You ended up scoring 1,800 points, you, you second in program history. When you add up, you scored in high school and in college – 4,000 points thereabouts. That is a heck of a career. Do you, do you even look back on it in, in any way, shape, or form and, and realize all of that, or is it still a blur? I mean, I, I don't look back a lot in anything I do. Okay. So I, I kind of look back on it and thinking, yeah, I played college athletics, and you know, I had great opportunities that a lot of women before me didn't have because yeah. I was Title IX wave. But... Um, you know, I don't really look back on my playing as much as I look forward to my coaching. Let's talk about what else you do to, to promote. We mentioned the WBCA Carol Ekman Award, and we should point out that's not an award that tends to go to Division Three coaches. I believe it was just the third time went to you, and it gives uh, given to award to exemplify a coach exemplifies the the spirit, integrity, character uh, through sportsmanship, commitment of student athlete, honesty, ethical behavior, courage, dedication to purpose. I'm sure they could add six more things onto that to make it an even longer read. But what does that mean to you? Because I do know that that kind of is the essence of you. What does it mean to get that kind of honor? 
Oh, I, you know, I, I'm just totally humbled by the opportunity and of this honor. I mean, I was very surprised. Um, and, and, you know, there's many people out there that work in the same way I do that don't often get recognized. Um, and I was completely blown away by the fact that I was actually nominated and selected. Um, I remember starting out as a young WBCA coach and, and sitting in, you know, the audience and looking at, you know, Carol Ekman and her commitment to growing the women's basketball game at a time when it wasn't where it is today and her compassion, her commitment, her strength, her determination, her desire to make things better for just the, the sheer purpose of others, not for herself, was just really impressive. So I'm extremely honored and humbled to receive that award. And you do a lot. Um, let's start with the game side. Um, you're director of, the, of Springfield Basketball School since 2001, which is involved with youth and summer camps. You've gone abroad to Hong Kong to spread the game uh, through camps and clinics. You've served um, as president of the WBA, Women's Basketball Association. Um, you've been a member of the ECAC Selection Committee, member of the WBCA. Uh, you're on the Coach of the Year Committee for District 1. You do as much as you can to really promote the game. Why do you feel it's so important, maybe not only to promote the game, I think that's understood, but for you to have a hand in that? I, I just think that there were others that, that really guided my life through the game, and it, it's kind of like passing the torch to me. Now it's my turn to, to continue on the mission of spreading you know, the values that you learn in a game. I, you know, I love the opportunity to work with young people. Um, basketball's given me a lot. In a lot of ways, it's given me some great moments in my life that I can never imagine that I would have ever had because of the opportunities I've had through basketball. And I'm very committed to seeing that the, that the strengths of the game stay the same and the, the love to play, the character pieces that we as coaches try to instill in our players, the sportsmanship in an era where it's not always valued. I think mm. those things are really important. And it falls in line with what I believe in at Springfield, which is our humanics philosophy. And, you know, Naismith's whole piece about why he invented the game was to, to have people enjoy a winter activity and play together and to, you know, have that emotional piece connected to a game they loved. Segway beautifully there, because I wanted to talk about the humanics side. You are, on top of everything else, Coach, a professor. Uh, listen, I, you don't need to prove anything to us, but you, you're a professor on two. And it's in the humanics department. Can you give everybody a sense? Because I'll, I'll be honest, humanics comes across, I'm sure, to many of, oh, that's one of those college things that you don't truly understand. It's a word no one fully understands. But what is humanics and why, as you started to hint there, is it so important at Springfield? Well, humanics is, is, is leadership and service to others. Mm -hmm. And it's our symbol is a triangle. It's an equilateral triangle with spirit being at the top and the mind and the body lifting that spirit. And it's encompassing in that it's it's about the whole person and educating the whole person. Um, for me, it's service over self, you know, serving the world in a way that we can impact them. And for me, it's through sport. And I believe that we can teach a lot of things through sport. Um, I've always believed in that. And I've always believed that sport is an avenue or a platform for coaches to really impact a lot of quality things on young people and help guide them into a, their future in a better way. So to throw a curveball, I just thought of this as you're answering that question. You hear a lot of athletes, especially professional athletes, say, I'm not a role model. To some degree, would you, I'm, well, how would you see that as a point? You know, for me, 
you know, I do believe that we have mentors or role models in our lives and often they're adults and there are coaches that take on that position. And so for me, I believe that coaches and athletes are role models. And I believe that they set, you know, some character pieces with young people nowadays, young children, male or female. And I think that it's important for me to, in my position, to be able to spread the word, you know, and to be able to have the game be something that I, you know, can do that with. Another thing that you've, you've uh, really, I mean, one of the reasons you were nominated for this, this segment was the diversity side of things. You've been a champion for diversity. From what I can tell, you're a champion both on campus, through your, your own team, through many other ways we should point out. By the way, uh, Springfield College just earned the honorable mention recognition for the NCAA and Minority Opportunities Athletics Association's 2019 Award of Diversity and Inclusion uh, as well. That's a lot. I know you can go to Springfield's website to see that title better. But where did the diversity side of things come into play? And what have you done or tried to do on campus or elsewhere to push that diversity? You know, I think diversity education is huge in our curriculum at Springfield College, and it's certainly an important piece for me. Um, So the opportunity to get out and work with community children in Springfield and adults has always been a priority to our program and to me and to our athletes and in, in, to, in our service on our community. So um, one of the things that we've been able to do is, is service um, students right in our school systems here at Springfield and give them opportunities to come on campus and be involved with our student athletes, either through pen pals. Like currently we're working with a Renaissance school, a high school team where we go to their high school games and we support them and our women are involved in building relationships and friendships with young, you know, young athletes in a, in a city setting that want to pursue a college education and possibly play basketball. And it's a win-win for both our student athletes and the ones at Renaissance school. We've also done a ton of clinics, Um, We've worked in the community with some adults, um, but the more diverse the population, I think, the more enriching it is for our program and our team and our school. What do the honors then mean to you for the work that you've been doing? The honor for me is is, it's wonderful to be recognized, but what's more important is the education our student-athletes are getting from the experience and to open up the eyes of our student-athletes and students outside of Springfield in the community to have them see and grow and learn and, and to realize that that d- difference is actually a positive and that you can learn from one another and that it's important. And for me, through the back game of basketball, that's where I really got exposed to diversity. You know, whether it was economic diversity, racial diversity, whether it was family diversity, it didn't matter. That's where I saw people that were different than myself. And I realized how enriching that can be, not how threatening it can be. Fascinating point of view. Where, where what do then does a practice entail uh, with you necessarily? How does how do all these messages and how these passions um, bleed out, as it were, in a practice or in a game situation? Um, I, I don't know if I, I I'm not one that does a lot of um, preaching my theories. I kind of live my life the way I do and reinforce our values. And I, you know, probably the thing I stress the most is just our humanics piece because I live and breathe that. It's at Springfield in many ways. It's who I am. So I'm, I'm recognizing to our student athletes that these are values I think that they can take beyond Springfield College into the world, into their lives that are really valuable and important and that actually make your life richer. 
So I don't really preach it much at practice. I'm really preaching more pressing and defense and offense <laughs> and layup, you know. But I think I think the kids on our team know that that I value sportsmanship. That I'll be the first one to say I want to win and I want to win badly. But I'm not going to win at all costs. I want to win when it's fair. Hmm. And I'm always believing that it doesn't. You can't value a win unless it's right. And to work hard and to earn it and to do it the old-fashioned way is is the best way. Well, yeah, you've got to. I support that all, all 100%. I, I think the same ways, but though certainly not to the same level. I'm impressed, and I'm really thrilled that we got to part, get to have you as part of the WBCA Center Court segment. Um, as part of this segment, Coach, we always have a little fun at the end and ask the same questions to you as we've asked every WBCA uh, participant. Do you mind if we have a little fun with you? No, you can have as much fun with me as you want. Good. Well, here we go. Um, these are the same questions. Uh, we're, we're really looking for just basically your first re- uh, thought on them. Uh, they're not crazy. They're just for fun. For example, what's your favorite thing about coaching, especially in Division Three? Student-athletes. Okay. Uh, makes sense. Uh, biggest pet peeve? Um, I, I'm, I'm funky about details and rituals. So everything has to be the same. My pregame has to be the same. My water bottle needs to be by my chair. I have, I have rituals that if they get out of sync, I'm out of sync. It's funny because that's question four, but I'm going to make it question three, any pregame ritual or superstition. Yeah. I have to have a pen. My, you know, I have to have everything lined up. Yeah. I have a lot of, a lot of funky things that I do. I got to get to Springfield, not to see Charlie, but to watch those. That'd be fun. Um, any rule or nuance in the game that that um, that is your favorite? A new rule? I, well, you no, know. A, like a is there a favorite rule that you might have, or a nuance to the game that you really love and appreciate? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I I would like you to define nuance because if it means a specific, I love watching the kids at the end of the game when they win and they're jumping on each other or, or the nuances of a give and go or a quick pass. I mean, there's an excitement to the level of basketball, I think. And when a person does a no look pass, we had a kid do a no look pass and it was just absolutely phenomenal. And I loved watching it. I got all excited. You picked right up where I was headed with that. Yep. That's exactly where it was. Um, is there a rule that you'd like to see added, removed or changed? I hate the hot touch rule with the guards. I hate putting your hand on the person's body, impeding progress is the word. Uh, I hate that rule because I just think that not everybody is impeding progress. They're just checking space. Oh, interesting. Okay, I was wondering where you're headed with that. Okay, you mean sometimes the touch isn't necessarily a foul. It's just understanding where they are a little bit. Yep. Okay, got it. Um, Craziest travel experience? We went to Europe. And when we were on the plane and we got off the plane, there was a terrorist attack. Oh. And that was crazy because yeah. we had this planned ahead of time of what was going to happen. But it was like surreal. I couldn't believe it actually happened. I thought we were in a dream. Oh, so you had a plan of a what if and all of a sudden the what if was in place? Yeah. And it was when we oh. went to England. It was the Manchester bombing. Oh. And, and we were headed in that direction. Oh, and it was wow. Surreal. I, I just sat back and I'm like, only us would that happen. <laughs> I was going to give you bonus points if it included Charlie Brock, but you trumped it. You, you totally did. Um, what would your assistants describe you as? A, how, how would your assistants describe you as a coach? Um, they probably they probably would say that I'm pretty passionate mm-hmm. okay. because I'm pretty passionate in lots of different ways at different times. 
Um, what do you tell recruits that gets them excited or gets them to commit to Springfield? I think the biggest thing that I always tell them is that when you come to Springfield women's basketball, that I'm going to take care of you in many ways for the four years you're with us. Oh, cool. And I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm there for you and, and not only as a basketball coach, but, but as a person who will help support you through the four years and changes that you go through. Oh, very nice. Uh, finally, when you retire and all good coaches do eventually retire, what do you hope people will remember about you as a coach? I, I just hope they know that I cared. I think mm. that's the biggest thing, that I always wanted to do my best and that I cared a lot about the student-athlete because that was always and it has always been my focal point about coaching and had never been about me or my record or wins or losses or proving how I could coach. It was always about giving a student-athlete experience to our students at Springfield. Outstanding. Coach, I really appreciate the time. We only have one more challenge for you. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? I, I just, you know, I'm really, you know, honored to be a part of this tonight. And I want to thank you, Dave. And, and I, I think it's great that the WBCA is supporting this kind of um, work with you because I think it's important to keep the integrity in the game. Well, thank you, Coach. Well said. I have learned a lot from you and I look forward to continue to watch uh, you guys as you push through. And hopefully we're talking to you about maybe a new MAC championship or at least an NCAA tournament berth this year. Uh, take care. Safe travels in the in the lovely winters up there in New England, and we'll look forward to talking to you somewhere down the road. All right. Thanks, Dave. Take care. You too. Naomi Graves joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline on Skype. Of course, part of the WBCA Center Court. Wonderful conversation with her. You can learn more about her and that diversity award and inclusion award that they got on their website. And uh, we thank her for the time and, of course, the WBCA for their support. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears. We'll head down south, talk to a men's program that maybe is being undersold at ranked number 10. Uh, maybe. Swarthmore men's basketball coach Landry Kalsmalski joins us to talk about the Garnet. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. 
The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. I'm Carol LaHaye, basketball coach at Randolph-Macon College and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show, and now back to Dave. Thanks to Coach for uh, there that little toss back. We should have timed that probably a little bit better and gotten that one in before the uh, last segment, but it works all the same. Of course, we, we thank the WBCA and NEBC for their support. All right, so let's switch gears. Let's talk men's basketball. And uh, you may know if you tuned into Sunday's show that uh, I spoke pretty highly about the Garnet, uh, who I had seen take on McDaniel just uh, on Saturday evening. Swarthmore has only lost two games this season, back-to-back on November 29th and December 1st, uh, one at uh, on the road down in Baltimore against Johns Hopkins and one at home against Franklin and Marshall, and both of them buzzer beaters at the end. It's one of you, you would call one of those – Quirky dinks, I guess. Whatever word I want to make up. Um, since then, they've been undefeated. They have handled teams for the most part. They've even beaten Middlebury 82-80. to And if you're looking for one of those uh, who else have they played type of games. They handled Muhlenberg 84-54. And it wasn't even that close. Started the game 33-2 to as they uh, smoked Muhlenberg, a team that many had said uh, was would be pretty competitive this season. And they have been up until that point. What I notice is it isn't the same story with Garnet. They may be a better team than they were last year because of depth, size inside, and more. So I wanted to get a, an idea of or give you a better idea of who they are. Joining us on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach, Landry Kalsmalski. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely. Um I don't think it's it's probably over the line to say after the game you said to me you guys had put the perfect game together against McDaniel. So I guess my follow-up question or statement to that, whatever you want to call it, is so what would you call the Muhlenberg game? Um, well, I think, you know, Muhlenberg's had a really good year and Kevin's doing a great job with them. And I think they've kind of had some injuries lately, lost several guys, you know, only dressing like nine right now. and mm-hmm. And they have some young guys. So we just kind of, you know, we caught them. We're playing really well, and they're a little, uh, they're lacking a little depth. So, um, but our, yeah, our guys played really well. I mean, just kind of from start to finish. So it was a good, good night for us. <laughs> yeah. When you get out to a 33 to 2 lead, um, and you basically can play your third unit the entire second half, you're playing well. What I, what I really 
took from seeing you guys in person that that I didn't really truly appreciate maybe in, on video or when I was putting my game sheets together and I'm going through rankings not only in the conference but nationwide is I think the inside game for you guys, the, the game around the basket has taken a significant step forward. You've got size, you've got skill, you've got athletic ability, guys who can close out, and not only that, you've got it on the bench too. So when you take guys off the floor, you're replacing them. You're not, in other words, you're not going smaller because you, you don't have the size anymore. You guys certainly have that inside game has come a long way. Yeah, and you know we actually graduated a good big and Robbie Walsh, um, and you know the other and the two guys we have now, Zach and uh, Nate, played with them a couple years. But yeah, I think I think playing a lot of uh, four guard lineup has helped our inside game a little bit. You know, mm. a little more space in there, and we're not we're not posting them as much as kind of getting them ar- around the key area for ISOs and stuff like that. And those guys both have the the skill set to make plays from there. So. Um, you know, I think back to the basket stuff, we've kind of uh, just adjusted a little bit and done some of it, but also given them some other opportunities. They've done a great job. And Zach O'Dell is third on the team in scoring at 12.4 points a game. He's tops on the team at 8.6 rebounds a game. Uh, you can go then to, was it Nate Schaefer, uh, if memory serves? He's averaging seven points or 7.8 points, 7.8 rebounds, but also. These guys are rejecting just about everything they're seeing thrown back yeah. at them. Between those two alone, 67 blocks, which is, I think, something like top 15 in the country. Um, so not only are they, they rebounding for you, which you're also top in the country in, not only are they playing good defense, but they're keeping guys from getting good looks inside. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you mentioned the, the rebounding stat. I would say that obviously those guys are strong rebounders, but also yeah. I think to be a good team rebounding team your guards have to really stick their noses in and our guards you know all of them do a great job of that i I haven't looked at our stats lately i I know cam is usually up around five plus Mm -hmm. you know as a point guard is is pretty amazing and um, our other guards you know all really stick their noses in so um but yeah i mean definitely you know the anchors there are, are zach and nate and you know those stats you said it's funny i don't our guys laugh at me i don't really know our our stats um our, our national stats for that matter so um, we, we've generally been a pretty good rebounding team, but and, and yes, it's really fortunate when you're a coach when you have a couple guys that block shots because they clean up a, a lot of mistakes. Well, I was going to say the other thing too is it's got to give your guards some some confidence defensively, and this may translate into the fact that you only allow 24 percent from beyond the arc, which is also a, re, a nationally ranked number, um, and, and and you're only averaging about 38 from the floor, which I think was when I put the sheet together, something like top 25, but it's got to give the guards confidence coach, because they don't have to worry about sagging down necessarily to help defense or, 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 or come down for a double team. They can stay a little bit further out and, and not allow shooters to get really good looks. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's given us too much confidence and it's something we sure. talk about a lot over the last two years. Just, you know, if you think someone's there, you kind of tend to not finish your defense. Um, but that's something I think since the break, since the holiday break, we've really made great strides in. We're we're guarding people a lot better one on one, and not having to rely on on you know Nate or Zach to clean things up behind as much. And we talked about the size inside. Um, you you can go to the bench and bring a guy like Justin Tucker out, um, who also rebounds and blocks shots. He's also got an outside shot 
I think it was it, it's Odell who's got the other one who'll take some outside shots as well. Yeah. So your advantage I hinted at in the beginning was okay, you got those two guys, but then you got a third or fourth you can bring in, and I'm I'm forgetting who the the fourth one is. He impressed me. I think it's Alec White. Uh, he doesn't play White, a, doesn't play a ton of games, but he's another presence inside. The, the that's got to be nice as a coach to go. Geez, when I'm pulling my number one and number two six 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 eight guys off, I'm putting in another six 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 eight guy himself. There's no let up there. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you mentioned Alec. I mean, he you know he he hasn't played a ton, but the other you know we needed him in the Gettysburg game because of some foul stuff and some energy. Um, you know, we had a little fatigue in the first half and he came out and gave us some really good minutes, you know, so I, he had the opportunity and did really well. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Justin, he, uh, mm-hmm. he's <laughs> in the last three games, four games, he's just been made a huge jump, a yeah. huge jump. Um, yeah, you know, about what we expected about this time of year from him and, you know, he, he, he was doing well and then tweaked his ankle right before the break. <sighs> and came back after the break and has been really confident and seems to be uh, a lot more comfortable here midway through his freshman year. I apologize to all the Swarthmore fans out there who's listening to the McDaniel broadcast because I did have no choice when he went to the free throw line but to make a reference that you guys were happy that the Ravens were no longer in the playoffs because Justin could play for you guys. I know it was low. I, I, I had to do it, but I did The, the Justin Tucker joke? I, I yeah. had to. I had to. Well, I, that we've got a few uh, like NFL or close to NFL names on our team. You know, Jared Groff is True. one of our uh, guards, and he, he gets a, there are a lot of jokes about the Rams quarterback for sure. <laughs> I didn't even put that one. Oh, I should have done that one too. Darn it! Yeah, uh, yeah I was he, th- I was seeing his name reminding me of a former boss who had a similar last name. So that's where my my <laughs> my brain was stuck with him. Um, and let's switch to the guard side of things because let's be honest. Yeah. I think for the last few years. When, it, when we talk about Swarthmore, we talk about Cam Wiley. When we see Swarthmore play, we see Cam Wiley. He's flashy. He's quick. He's got a really good drive. He takes outside shots to some degree. He's been inconsistent, yeah. all that. But what, what impressed me when I saw you guys, and, and now that I've been able to put it together for the season, is not only is Cam Wiley good, he's settled into a role that he, he doesn't feel the pressure, it seems. Because now you've got Connor Harkins, and you've got George Visconti, and you've got Colin Shaw and Ryan Ingram. Not Colin Shaw, I apologize. but uh, No, I was right. Colin Shaw and Ryan Ingram and these other guys who are just as good shooters, just as good defenders. It feels like nothing against Cam, but it, there's more options out there that we don't – we aren't stuck watching Wiley. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, don't, yeah, I don't think Cam has been as much inconsistent as been, as you said, settling into a new role and – you know, as good as Cam's been the last three years, we have to really, um, you know, encourage him to be aggressive because hmm. he's because uh, he's such a good team player, and he, and he's also I don't know if a lot of people know this or see this, but he's a uh, incredibly intelligent basketball player. He really mm-hmm. understands the game, and I think he, you know, going into this year, he instinctively knew he. We need him to be aggressive, yes, but also he just realizes the talent around him and he's tried to facilitate a lot. And it's been great for our team, but again, also sometimes we have to say, hey, you know, you, <laughs> we're better when you're, you're in attack mode. So I think, he's, I think the last week or so he's really found that balance. And, um, 
I, I think he's going to keep it going the rest of the year. I, I, I remember a couple situations. You guys were deep in the shot clock, and he's got the ball. And I'll be honest, in last year, in the last few years, I just kind of half expected the ball's gotten to his hands. He knows there's 10 on the shot clock, maybe five. He's going to find a way to, to just put a shot up here. No, he found an open man. But then, as you said, might be two possessions later. All of a sudden, he's slashed into the hole because he saw a lane. Yeah, I do yeah. see that balance, and, and it's really been an improvement, uh, headsy play from him. It, you guys have been are really fun to watch. Do you do you agree? And I know what kind of coach you are and what answer I might get here, but do you agree that maybe you're a better team this year than you were last year? As hard as that is to believe and how well you had a season last year? Um yeah, I mean I think the verdict's still out on that. You know, I, sure. I do think we we are doing some things that we couldn't do last year. Uh but last year's team was different. You know, we had great senior leadership from, you know, three guys and uh, a lot of guys have had experience, and this year's a little younger. But as we said at the beginning of the year, you know, we're not going to try to be last year's team. We're going to be sure. our own team, the 2018-19 Swarthmore men's basketball team. And so, um, you know, wherever that takes us, we will uh, we will find out. Um, to uh, those fans of Hoopsville, you'll notice that uh, our segment, our computer, hopefully will hold through here. It's frozen on us, but we're in our last segment. So we should be able to get through it. If it stops for some reason, we will get the stream back up and running. But until it stops, we're going to keep talking to Coach Kalzmalski. The other thing that jumped out at me, uh, Coach, was defensively, you guys don't get a lot of steals. And, and it's not like you're not trying. You'll get them when you get them. But you, you are, I don't know the right term. First off, a little zone. But, but you guys aren't necessarily driving for steals is that is that a fair assessment considering how good your defense is that number just seems odd yeah i mean we've probably been bottom five the last three or four years and in, in, in steals uh it's not something we really focus on we're definitely emphasize being a little more solid than gambling um you know we have someone you know who's a houdini artist uh, mm. in the boss a lot i mean he's got quick yeah. hands and unbelievable instincts and uh, but generally, I mean, we don't we're, we're not trying to like get out in the passing lanes, and we're not trying to reach on the ball for sure. We already foul enough, um, so we're just we're trying to be as solid as we can because you know we do have uh, the guys behind us that can can clean stuff up. Um, ahead of you, you you're on the road to Ursinus on uh, Saturday. You'll then head home and play Haverford. You still obviously got the second half of this conference schedule ahead of you in Franklin and Marshall. Uh, Gettysburg yeah. and Hopkins, just to name a few. He'll wrap it up uh, on the 16th against McDaniel. What is it to take to stay on top of this conference this season, considering Hopkins obviously is 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 going to be a little different next time you see him, but battle-tested. And F&M, you never know. Or or are we yeah. – yeah, I mean, what what it's going to take to stay on top of the conference this season? Um, well, we're, we're not on top of the conference right now. I'll just make that Fair. point. We're, we're, Fair. We're in second. Um but, you know, I would say it's, we talked about it as a team today. I mean, it's really going to be taking it day by day. You know, we can't look ahead to any particular game or to the end of the season because that just gets you in trouble um, and you, you regret it later. So we're just going to, you know, right now we're trying to have a good practice tomorrow. We're planning for her sinus on Saturday, which is going to be a, a real challenge because um, <laughs> yeah. they're playing really well. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, again, I think that just – you know, we don't want to get anxious about the future. We're just going to take it day by day. Yeah, it's it's an interesting conference this year. It feels like the middle is a little bit more um, um, convoluted. It's the only word I got yeah. in my head. 
Um, and and yes, I know you're not on top, but it's not a big, huge like grouping at the top this year. It's a little. It feels like a little different. Well, and, and as you said, we're not. We're not. Uh, I guess we're half. Are we halfway through? Yeah, you're. Yeah, you've made the turn. Yeah. 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 So we're. We, yeah, we're at the halfway point. So I mean. You know, I think anything can happen in the next two weeks, and we could be having a different conversation. You know, so I think uh, people are going to climb, people are going to fall off, and that's what makes it fun. Finally, before I let you go, I know we've touched on this in the past, but I'm just wondering mm-hmm. how much it how much it, it it strikes to you guys. Again, the McDaniel game. One of the notes I had was McDaniel leads the season tw- or the series twenty five twenty. Okay, not that surprising considering there was a long time where Swarthmore really wasn't part of the conversation. They were one of the bottom dwellers in the conference and really weren't a program that anyone really thought twice about. That has completely changed with you at the helm. You guys have become, for lack of a better description, a national conversation or a national power to some degree. What does that mean to you to do that for this for this program? And And what's been the reaction now that almost to the point that you guys being in that conversation is normal? My first response would be, I, you know, I don't think it, it really has a ton to do with me being at the helm. I think we just have a the kind of school and the kind of environment, and we're in the kind of location that draws really great kids and really good students. And, you know, for our program, we typically look for tough and unselfish guys. And so, you know, just kind of getting those type of people in, you know, in the program is just kind of the, the results of, you know, have come. And, so uh, I think it's just kind of a very collaborative effort uh, between our school and our program and our kids and our coaching staff. So, um, you know, but, but as far as the response, I, I don't really know. I, I'm kind of – I may have mentioned you before, but, I mean, I think our players and coaches and people who know me laugh. I'm really uh, – <laughs> I don't pay a lot of attention uh, to what's going on, Not not purposely, just kind of – from having young kids and mm-hmm. from preparing for games. And so I don't, like I mentioned, I don't, I'm not really looking at stats as much as I probably should. And <laughs> I don't really know a lot about the rankings until people tell me. And so um, I, I, it's hard to say what the response has been to that, other than that, you know, we just want to want to keep it going for, uh, for our program and for Swarthmore. No, I understand. Makes sense. Uh, I congratulate you on on what has been a, a tremendous start to the season, and I say that somewhat tongue in cheek since we're halfway through conference play now. But yeah. uh, fourteen and two, seven and two in conference play, and obviously a lot more ahead. But um, impressive team, I'll say that for sure. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, no, you know I've been on before. I, yeah. I should you. Caught me unaware with that. <laughs> it's a, it's routine. Um, yeah, it is. Um, you know, no, no, real, no final word tonight. Just thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, absolutely. I appreciate you coming on. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll look forward to talking about the Garnet um, later in the season as well, but throughout the season as we continue. Thanks a lot, Dave. Absolutely, Landry Kozmalski joining us here on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Pardon me, as I uh, I forgot to fire something up here. A little awkward misread here from my part. Um, 
All interviews on Hoopsville Hotline are courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. If your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget, Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will help take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting www.blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. Has anyone caught the hint of uh, what was uh, new for the show here uh, on tonight's show? If you haven't caught it, it is we have partnered with Blue Frame Technology um, to be the sponsor of the Hoopsville Hotline. You might remember that for the last several seasons, uh, it has been the city of Salem, but Blue Frame Technology has come on board to support us, and we certainly appreciate their support. We may get some more support in the future, but Blue, Blue Frame Technology is the sponsor of our Hoopsville Hotline this season. And we may be partnering and doing more with them down the road as well. But thank you uh, for coming on board, Blue Frame. And uh, by the way, should point out, if you are a sports information director or a coach or an athletics administrator of some kind, and you guys decide to take on Blue Frame Technology, whether they're production truck software or their uh, streaming portals and, and capabilities, Mention you heard about us on our show. We'd appreciate it. They'd support it as well and want to know about it as well. Um, you're going to stuck with the Kalsmoski graphic because Wirecash has frozen on us. We can't fix it, but it's allowing us to continue to stream. We haven't broken that up, so we're not going to jinx it here. we got a few more minutes left in the show, so we're going to keep it here and then just shut down the stream like we normally would do or at least get the system unfrozen, which will shut down the stream, and there you go. So we don't lose anything here except for maybe a commercial break we should be running, but we got all our breaks in that we needed to. Um, quick note, we mentioned McDaniel. I mentioned this at the beginning. Again, Saturday they are dedicating their court to Rebecca Martin or Becky Martin, their women's coach who's on uh, – on leave this year she's battling cancer they're doing that at uh they're <laughs> they're doing it at halftime of their of their women's game there's all kinds of about that that's gonna be a really long halftime for the teams um yeah enjoy that um but they're doing it it should be great uh everything is still there it's um uh, it's already on the floor it's not like it's gonna be debuting something new but um a nice moment going to take place if you get a chance to tune in. I will not be there. I've got a Goucher game instead. I'll be tuning in, I hope, from Goucher on that. Um, what is there? Was some other? Th oh, my blog is out. So uh, I usually have been very good every week or most weeks to blog out my ballot. Uh, I haven't been as good this year about it. Just a lot of things going on. But uh, I encourage you, if you want to know one voter's point of view of 25 on the men's side, you get a chance there to go and check it out. You can find it under the Daily Dose on d3hoops.com, which is below the headlines, um, or you can uh, find it um, via Twitter. We tweeted it out yesterday. You, could, you can find it there. Uh, I think we even shared it on Facebook as well. So go ahead and check that out as well. Um, I want to mention, uh, I'm going to say her name wrong. I apologize to Ira if he's tuned in. Marajia Bacon scored her 2,000th career point in college basketball for new jersey city now she didn't accumulate all of them at new jersey city um she played a few years uh before coming to new jersey city at william patterson um not william patterson where did she transfer from hold on um kane she played at kane where she accumulated 1500 points uh before transferring to new jersey city uh according to the notes we've gotten uh, Bacon has a chance of becoming the all-time leading scorer in NJAC history. She is 28 points away from the record, which was Michelle Jones of William Patterson, 2048. You might remember 
um, Michelle Jones. So congratulations to Bacon, which, by the way, has a tremendous last name. You do so much with that. Um, like the sign her family made, ain't no faking 2,000 points scored by Bacon. I kind of like that. Very nice. Uh, congratulations to her, uh, to, to be sure. Um, and we mentioned Shrek and, and Weingartner now at Crusaders, both 1,000-point scores. Uh, really great things going on with student-athletes. Um, not so great things. We didn't mention this at the beginning of the show. That's my fault. I should have mentioned it. If you didn't see the news, I don't know what's in the water in the MIAA women's basketball, but uh, something's there because for the third coach since practices began has been let go by, by an MIAA by an MIA team. And this one, one second of the th well, all three could be argued as high profile, um, though the two of them for sure. Trines coach, obviously, uh, Ryan Gould at the beginning of the season. Olivet, we mentioned last week, letting go of their coach. Chuck Winkleman, gone from Calvin. Um, the quote, and we'll read it from the provost. Uh, this is from Calvin. We feel this decision is in the best interest of the college, our students, and Coach Winkleman. We ask that the media respect privacy of our students during this time. We note that it will make no further comments on this personnel matter. They cited a lack of fit. Um, Winkleman lost the job this week. Remember, um, Trying head coach we mentioned was gone at the beginning. Olivet's Jack Ingles was cut loose last week. Really crazy. Now, Calvin was coming off the loss to Hope, which is even more startling. Um, I, we, we reached out to try and get more information from a number of sources. Didn't get any. Um, not sure what to make of this. I know some people have said, that the Winkleman hire, and he was in his third season, was strange to them. Um, I thought it was a good hire. Uh, maybe I already, maybe I knew something others didn't. I don't, he, he, a lot of people were religious. I, I thought Chuck Winkleman was, was a deeply religious man that the fit with the Calvin religion and ideology would make a good fit. From what I'm told, he was one who certainly uh, held people accountable, which I think any good coach should do, even if it's your students. I think you need to hold them accountable. I, I never got the sense that he was um, abusive, and I don't mean that's not even the right word, but ag aggressive or um, rub people the wrong way, but maybe. Remember, he did was very successful at Hendricks, very successful at Millsaps before moving on to Calvin. I'm also a little surprised that if it's not a good fit, so be it. But what is the difference between letting him go now and letting him go in nine more games? I don't, this isn't D1 where somehow this is going to get you an edge on the hiring process for your new head coach. And I'd even argue in the middle of the season, it never gives you a head start on the coaching um, um, carousel, for lack of a better description, because, well, the coaches you may want are still coaching. They're not going to leave their team to join your team until the offseason anyway. So you started. So I don't understand the decision. I would get it if something massive had happened. Um, clearly, in the trying case, that's what we've sensed. Uh, in the Olivet case, I think it's different. I think in the Olivet case, from what I've gathered there, that decision needed to be made because for the betterment of the team immediately. I don't get that sense here unless now I'll, I'll also admit a lot's being hidden. Um, but again, from those I have talked to, 
it's surprising this took place now. This feels like, okay, it wasn't a great fit. It didn't work out. So be it. Of course, if you look back on the interview we had with him literally three years ago now, right? Two years ago now, two years, he talks about it being a good fit. Um, now, some may be able to sleuth this out. The athletics director's daughter is on the team, but the athletics daughter, athletic director's other daughter was on the team when he was hired. And from everything I've heard, that that I don't think is the direct line. I don't think her being an athletics director or, or her children being on the team is the reason. But again, a lot being hidden. It's a really strange scenario. I'd love to tell you more, but I can't. Speaking of Hope Calvin, uh, our good friend Andrew points out that Jason Beckman got hurt for Hope. Um, certainly wish him the best. Hope he can get back uh, to full speed. Beckman is fun to watch, uh, to say the least. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. Again, top 25. Uh, we'll have a new poll on Monday. A lot of uh, of good basketball out there. The Oshkosh lacrosse games, both men and women, should be great to watch this weekend. Uh, the CCIW should be fun to watch. Um, Augustana is holding on by the skin of their teeth in that conference. I don't, again, I don't think they're going to go undefeated. Uh, they got Illinois Wesleyan ahead of them, and Illinois Wesleyan has been an absolute wonky team this year. I, I, I we got to get Quillman back on the show to talk about his alma mater because you know this was a squad we all thought was going to be darn good, but then they lost three in a row to Wheaton, Augustana, Carroll, ended up losing five out of six. Uh, and then that steam rolled into six out of eight uh, with only wins over Anderson and uh, North Park. Uh, they now are on a two-game winning streak, having beaten Milliken and, El and Elmhurst. But they got Augustana and Wheaton ahead of them. Um, North Central lurking as well. There's 11 and six suddenly and four and four in the conference. It feels like a team when they can get it together, maybe can win the conference, but they're going to probably have to win the conference to get in at this point, though we're a little early to make that kind of prediction. But really interesting things going on around Division Three, and, and if you get a chance to go out and catch a game, I absolutely encourage you to do so. Uh, it'll be worth your time, to say the least. Um, I think that's it. I, I'm looking around to see if we don't have any other questions, just to, just to be sure. Um, Daryl Duncan saying we had a great interview with Michelle. I appreciate that from Whitman. We, we, we enjoyed talking to Michelle for sure. Maybe you have to take her up. Oh, yeah. Uh, MIT. Um, little note on MIT. They are 12th in the, in the top 25. I, I pulled the ripcord a little bit. Um, they still got a parachute. Uh, I dropped them all the way down to where did I put them? There, I put them 17th. Um, that was a drop of 10 spots. Remember, we talked about the fact they were missing three players. Well, Forsyth came back on Wednesday. He played for the first time since the beginning of the season. We talked about Jerko. It's, remember, that was a scary incident. We talked about the, um, the Wilson-Trinity uh, game ending with three and a half minutes on the clock. One thing we didn't talk about was how the Coast Guard-MIT game ended with about a little under three minutes to play. After that Jerko injury, they basically decided we're not playing anymore. Um, of course, that game is 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 fine. It's over thirty minutes. It's a complete game by any definition. Um, Ryan and I both speculated by the look of how they treated him and whatnot. And we can't get any information that he'd be out for a long time, if not the season. I'm now hearing he may be back soon, really soon. So that's two of the three, and then the third one, the third injury, may be back soon. MIT men as much as I dropped them 10 spots, might be back 
from what I'm gathering, could be back at full strength soon. Which is a scary prospect, considering they've only lost two games. Um, if they actually get that put together, watch out. Uh, in their conference, Springfield, they, they've struggled this year. Jake Ross being injured, I think, derailed them a little bit. But then as somebody else pointed out to me, remember how many games were close last year that Springfield won. Those games just aren't going their way this year. It shows you the difference sometimes in 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 games in, in a season can be stellar or not stellar. Um, you know, a couple bounces your way, a couple shots go your way. Suddenly, you're twenty two and three. Um, those shots don't go your way, and you're you know sixteen and eleven. It, it's it's stark sometimes the difference in those games. Um, suddenly, it, it just can happen to you uh, in a blink of an eye. And it, that, that was a good reminder. I think Springfield this season has been a really good reminder of that fact. Um, let's take a really quick look at the scoreboard. We don't tend to do this, though. It is a sponsorable segment for anybody out there looking to advertise on this show. We can certainly take a look at the scoreboard every single night. Um, Lynchburg survived against Washington Lee. Of course, Washington Lee is a really good basketball team. But Lynchburg, the 17th ranked team in the country, won 82-79 this evening. They're the only men's team that is ranked in action this evening. On the women's side, the only ranked team is East Texas Baptist, and we don't have, hold on, going to have to go to their website because apparently we don't have um, any information from ETBU. So going to their site to see what they may have done this evening. Um, they defeated Louisiana College 68-44, so no surprise there. Uh, on the other side of games, in terms of women's games uh, that jump out at me, Hardin-Simmons got past Howard Payne 68-64. Um, wow. Uh, Bates got past Maine Farmington in a non-conference game, 95-43. I guess nothing really to write home about in that contest. On the men's side, Harden Simmons and Howard Payne are currently playing. Not much to talk about there just as of yet. Um, da -da 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 -da, trying to see it. Wesleyan got past Pine Manor, 83-57. Good, because uh, that's the kind of game that can trap you. Not that Pine Manor can is normally a team that would beat a Wesleyan, but you could see Wesleyan overlooking them by accident or, or not by accident just because they're not paying attention. bunch of games obviously down in Texas that are worth uh, maybe checking out uh, or are currently in action. So when we get off the air, go check them out. Um, East Texas Baptist is, in, is playing Louisiana College, as they obviously did on the women's side. Uh, Laterno is playing Bellhaven. Texas Dallas is taking on Texas Tyler. Of course, remember, Texas Tyler in its final season in Division Three. Otherwise, nothing else really to write home about tonight on those games. But uh, – Pretty good nonetheless, uh, so check out some games. Check them out this weekend. Should be some good basketball as well. And with that, we will sign off for the evening. want to thank our guests, which include, of course, Damon Goodwin at Capitol, Michelle Ferentz at Whitman, Naomi Graves at Springfield, and Landry Kalsmalski at Swarthmore. Of course, their sports information directors at Capitol, Ryan Gasser uh, at Whitman. want to thank John for his help in getting things uh, taken care of uh, tonight. Um I'm sorry. And then Jonathan at uh, at Springfield. Thank you for his help. And then Brandon at Swarthmore. I also want to thank Craig Kaufman at Amherst for getting us a soundbite from Aaron Toomey that we heard at the beginning of the show. And no, Aaron, you don't get a win as a result of that. He still goes to Dave Hickson, um, even though he wasn't on the bench. And with that, we'll wrap things up. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Don't forget, we'll be back on the air Sunday at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Also, don't forget, two nights or two weeks from today is the Marathon Show. However, we'll warn you now that Marathon Show is going to be a little bit different this year. We'll have some more information next week about how that will all come together. 
You have been listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. I want to thank our partners at D3Hoops.com, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and now from tonight, Blue Frame Technology for their assistance in helping us put on this show. There are more we will thank down the road, but we also, of course, thank coaches sports information directors for their support in helping us put this show on the air and to you the fans for tuning in i know thanks to a wonderful conversation with a wesleyan mother this morning or this afternoon that there's a number of um of uh people who tune in whether their team is involved or not that's how you should do it and we thank you for tuning in wirecast survived from the moment it went and froze on us until now we can now put it to bed and bring this show to a close. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. If you'd like to re-air any parts of this program in any way, shape, or form, we're honored and we appreciate it. But do us a favor, at least reach out and let us know so we can give you a formal uh, check on that to say, yes, you may use it. As Hoopsville is owned by DMAC Productions and myself, Dave McHugh. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you back here on Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. You've been listening to Hoopsville because if you want to talk about Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. Good night, everybody.